So I hope everybody's doing good today. The late crowd got to sleep in an extra hour. You're looking good. Man, you are really looking good today, I must say. I don't normally get to see you this, this, from this viewpoint, but uh, I'm Van, by the way, one of the staff pastors here, and, and uh, I just get the, the chance today to finish out our series. Just a wonderful series about past, present, and future, huh? Your best year yet. How many of you believe you can honestly have a better year yet? You know, you can. It's possible. You know, not in a cheesy way like best year yet, but, but having a life that's focused in order and moving forward. And that's sort of what we've been sharing with you over the last couple of weeks. Pastor shared the first week about our past, how you got to deal with the past. Man, look, a past, your past could either be a springboard to the future or it can be an anchor that holds you down, and you got to deal with that stuff, and everybody's past might be a little bit different. And, and then last week, he shared with us about, about our present, about living in the day and uh, how that looks. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to uh, be in those services, you might just get online, you know, get on the app, get on the, on the uh, website and look it up and kind of get yourself up to speed because we want you to have it all together together. Uh, like when we were in school, English and grammar was one of my uh, uh, favorite subjects. It may not show uh, exactly, but I love to diagram sentences and all those things because there was such order to that. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, a line and lines and just everything was in its rightful place. And the teacher used to teach us about verbs and the tenses of verbs, the past, you know, past tense, then present tense, Right. And then future tense. And some of you are probably going through that right now. And uh, so we're going to look at the future tense of what's going on. One thing we want to we know for sure is that we don't, we don't miss the future by the past or even what's going on today. Because it's, it's not hard to miss it, folks. And to then have to live in regrets. And so let, let's look at this thing of, of tomorrow and how Jesus teaches us to handle it. Our, our key verse for this series has been in Matthew chapter 6. The whole sixth chapter of Matthew, really, if you haven't read it recently, it'd be good to get in there and read it. It's just tremendous truth there that Jesus is teaching. But in the 31st, 34th verse, he talks about something and he says, therefore, do not worry. Now, the, now the first service did this well, so we're going to have a little crowd interaction. So, so, so it's, it's very short, very easy. You ready? We, we're going to say those three words together. Do not worry. All right, you ready? Well, let's say it together. Do not worry. Ooh, that's pretty good. Now, now let's say it again. Do not worry. Now turn to the person on your right and say, do not worry. 
Now wait, you turn to the person on your left there. What, what's the deal? Oh, you didn't have anybody on your right. I understand. Okay. Do not worry. Jesus is teaching something. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. In other words, he's talking like tomorrow's got, you know, a, a personality. It's, a, it's like a living thing. He says, it's going to take care of itself. Uh, and then he says, each day has enough trouble of its own. The thing I love about Jesus is that he didn't come to this earth and teach a pie-in-the-sky positive thinking thing. He said, you know what? Tomorrow's going to have some trouble. And trouble is defined in many, many different ways. I, I thought about, uh, about future and about missing it. I wrote this down. I got to read it because if not, I'll mess it all up. If we miss every today because of yesterday, we will not have a proper tomorrow. Okay, you got that? It's real easy to miss all these things. We'll miss today because of tomorrow, because of yesterday, and then we'll never embrace tomorrow, and we, we end up in this constant turmoil of what's going on. Now, in the message translation, or should I say the message uh, paraphrase, it, it gives a little bit different twist to this same verse when he says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now, and don't get worked up. More crowd participation. Let's say that together. Don't get worked up. Say it one more time. Don't get worked up. Now look at that person on your right. Say, don't get worked up, man. You get all foamed up over stuff. I mean, some of you, even yesterday, I mean, you're like the whole day was just this turmoil, all upset and all messed up. And today's a new day. I do it this way. Now, this is not very spiritual, but it works for me sometimes. When I'm having a real crummy day, I mean, just like it's just crummy. Then it goes into the early evening, it's still crummy. And then it's into the nighttime, it's still crummy. I just go to bed <laughs> and wake up to a new day. And if your new day is like your old day, well, keep a hoping. <laughs> Maybe something will break, you know. And uh, we laugh about it, but sometimes people have really, really strong things going on in their life. So today we want to talk about uh, how not to miss tomorrow, and uh, I believe that God's going to help you out, and I believe that if we'll apply what we've learned in these three weeks, that things really can change. I believe that God changes our lives, and I believe He continually changes our lives, and I believe He makes big things happen even after we've followed Him for many, many years. He can, he can help us out. And so... Uh, the thing about the, the future and, and life and all that, and this is for all of us here, including myself, we, we can get robbed of day by day in our life. You know, you, you know, life is made up of just one day at a time. You know that. And, and so it, it's, not, it's not hard to, to have an entire year of your life just eaten up. It, it's not difficult at all. Time just goes by so quickly that, that if we're not careful, we lose day by day, and we, we, we end up living in this kind of weirdness uh, of, of never embracing the future. In other words, we're so tied up in today, we're having trouble with the future. The thing about the future is this. Proverbs teaches us that there's one thing that's sure, absolutely sure, and that is there is a future. It teaches that. The book of Proverbs is just tremendous. We're going to read some more things out of it in a minute, but one thing is for sure, there is a future. And the future, when we look at it so many times, and I've been guilty of this. Hey, folks, you know what? Look, 
one thing you'll learn about pastors, we are just human beings just like you. So everything you go through, we go through, we experience, we have to walk the same journey and route that you go. But it's the what ifs. What if something doesn't work out? I just wrote down a few what ifs. What, for instance, some of you who you've turned midterm, your senior year in high school, and you might be worried about this. What if, what if I don't get into college? What, what, or how about this, some of you? What if I, I lose my job? Or uh, what if I never get married? And some of them are saying, well, what, what if I do get married? You know? <laughs> Uh, what if I get sick? Uh, what, what if they don't like me? What, what, if, what if I make the wrong choices? What if I miss the will of God? What if I never get out of this bad relationship? What if I don't have enough money when I retire? What if my spouse dies? What if President Trump doesn't get elected? What if President Trump does get elected? The what ifs. And the thing about the what ifs is that they're usually always negative. Always on a negative. It's, it's just amazing, you know. It seems like we think of negative things and we say, well, what if, you know. Even if somebody's positive. I, 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 on Facebook today, you know how they give you the flashbacks of a year ago and they show you something that you posted a year ago. Well, I posted this a year ago and uh, it goes right in with Pastor Jordan been sharing the last couple of weeks about being a pessimist or an optimist, but it, says this, it says, the pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change. The leader adjusts the sails. That's Dr. John, uh, John Maxwell. You know, there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then Google, and then John. You know, and uh, he's just a great, great man, a great leader. But it's true. It, it just depends how you look at things. But I want to tell you something. If you want to move forward in life to the future... When the winds of adversity and situations blow, you're going to have to adjust your sails because they're going to blow. They're going to go and blow, and the what-ifs are going to come here and go there. The thing about the what-ifs is that in the reality of, of it all, it's always uh, embraced in a mindset of worry. What worry? So, so what can we do? What are we going to do about tomorrow? How, how do you embrace tomorrow, folks? Well, I think you have two choices and I believe we all make one of these two choices. We can either choose to worry or we can choose to plan. We can worry or we can plan. And Jesus just told us not to worry. It was a command, I mean, and he's telling us not to. And I believe that if Jesus says don't worry, he's going to give you power and strength to not worry. I believe that's possible. I don't believe we have to live in that. And so uh, you can either worry or you can plan. Worrying and plan, and a lot of times they kind of, intermingle. Even some people uh, would say, you know, in, in the Christian realm today, that if you do plan, you know, that, that is worrying. When you plan, you're worried. You don't need to plan anything. Just a flow with the Holy Ghost. Just no plans, no nothing. But we really don't embrace that. We believe that you ought to plan, and, and it helps take care of worry. Now, this is what worry is because we have to put a definition on it for you today because if not, you kind of just run it through your personal circumstances and then it comes out maybe with a kind of a, a thwarted type of uh, definition. So worry is to give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles, to ruminate, which is a big word for think deeply. It's a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. It's sort of what happens when you lay your head on the pillow sometimes at night, 
and all of a sudden your mind just takes off. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, it just, it just takes off and it will not turn off. And a lot of times it's about negative things, about what ifs. What somebody said, what did they think? Did I say the right thing? Oh, when I was in that meeting uh, with, with the boss and I said that, did he mean this? What did my spouse mean? Oh, you know, I was teaching the kids. Did I do it right? What is my principal thing? And it just starts going. That happens to me, especially if you drink caffeine about 1030 at night. <laughs> it just won't shut off. The other, the other, we did that, Jen and I, we did that in the other night and it's like four o'clock in the morning and we're like, it just won't turn off. Sometimes I have to just pack up things in my mind to make it shut up. Sometimes I, I, I look at it like a, a, a rock and roll band, and we played the last set, and it's late at night at the nightclub, and it's time to pack the equipment up, put it in the trailer, and go home. And I, once I can lock that trailer and get in the pickup truck and start, then I drift off to sleep. I got to shut this thing. Am I the only one? No, I'm not the only one. It happens to all of us. And the thing about worry, this kind of, the worry is that it is futile, futile. It's just useless. You say, well, prove it's useless. Well, Jesus did. Jesus taught us right here in this sixth chapter when he said, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? You can't add a single hour. You can't add a, a penny in your pocket. You, by worrying, you can't change your neighbor. Or you can't change your spouse. By worrying, you can't change your past. These things are done. They're concrete. They're solidified. There are things that are unchangeable that cannot change. And worrying has no power for the good. It's like this. Worrying can't add to your life, but worrying can take away from your life. And I appreciate smart folk. Intellectual people. I mean, they got a lot of smart people in this world that do research and find things out for us and tell us what's going on. And one thing that these professionals have, have finally discovered, they've discovered that worrying, chronic anxiety and stress relates to a lot of diseases. In other words, it affects us physically. Things like asthma, obesity, depression, anxiety, gastrointestinal problems, headaches, autoimmune diseases and disorders, heart disease, accelerated aging, and even premature death. Now, I'm not one of those smart people, but uh, I've known enough people to realize that that's true, that people who chronically worry lose their life. They don't have a life. Worry, what it does, it constricts your life. More and more, day by day by day, until finally you have got this very small life with really no future. You'll end up speaking only about what used to happen. It used to be this way. Remember when, instead of what's going on now and never the future. I like that song that's on our album, uh, that the guys put together, the gals put together, where it says, my future is bright. I like that song. My future is bright. I didn't say my situation is bright. I said my future is bright. You understand? You've got to get off the situations. You're living in the situations. I've got, got a problem with situations. They're starting to be my enemy. They seem to rob me. How about you? These situations always, you know. 
So worrying about tomorrow is time wasted, but planning for tomorrow is time well spent. It's sort of like that old saying, a goal without a plan is just a wish. They got a lot of people wishing and a hoping and a praying. You understand? Some of you getting that old song, you know, wishing and hoping and praying. You know, and you got that thing going on, but there's no results there because worrying steals your life. But this thing about planning, it's time well spent. Planning, thinking ahead about goals and steps and things of this nature. Things about, you know, your tomorrow. If you're worrying about tomorrow, about your relationships, your marriage, your money, uh, your future, the question that you need to ask yourself is this. What am I doing to plan for tomorrow? Because somehow or another planning helps strip away the power of worry in your life. Procrastination is the great killer of future vision for, for your life. To put it off. Now, you know, it's so easy to procrastinate, isn't it? How many procrastinators we have in here? All of you are procrastinators. You know, we always want to, we want to put off. It's so easy to put off, but then we pay the price at the end. It's sort of like putting off studying in high school, and then when the test comes, uh-huh, worry. And some of you are real spiritual. You're praying the night before, Lord, help me. And the Lord said, I ain't helping you one bit. You didn't study. You didn't prepare. You didn't plan. You're going to flunk that test. Apathy and laziness create worry about tomorrow. Proverbs 14, 23 says, In all toil, and toil is work and action, in all of that there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. So we can say profit equals gain, and poverty equals deficiency. That's what happens. Proverbs 21, verse 5 the plans of the diligent lead to surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. You know, the book of Proverbs is so powerful. I would suggest that you read it and that you live it. And if you live the book of Proverbs, I'm telling you what, you'll have a, you'll have a better life very quickly. If you'll just read it and obey it, read it and apply it, it's amazing the principles of God, what they do in a person's life. And then... You know, I'm a planner, I, you know, but just because I plan doesn't mean that everything goes right. As a matter of fact, I have planned at, at times in my life, and I'm sure you have also, that, that these plans are in place, but yet you still fail. And the reason we still fail even though we plan is because we're not perfect. You see, perfectionism just sets us up for disappointment, because when we try to be perfect, which we're not, but we think we are, and we try to be, and then when we're not, you know what happens? We end up failing, and then we get frustrated, and we get disappointed. Failure is part of life. As a matter of fact, I would tell you this, that if you never fail, you're probably not doing anything. And you're surely not doing anything that, that takes risk or faith. Don't be afraid to fail. I'm excited about things that are happening around here right now. Nobody seems to be afraid to fail. And I think that's where advancement comes from. Now, the improper per perspective is that our failed plans lead us away from God, when in essence, our failed plans can lead us to God. 
Once we get the thinking straight, folks, that because I make a mistake doesn't mean I run from God. It means I run to God. Man, if you can get that straight in your life, even when you fail God, even when you sin, even when you fall, you need to fall towards God, not away from God. It's just the way it is. I know that sounds kind of, you know, positive, but it is. Man, if you're going to fall, fall towards God, not away from God. So important. So what can we do about tomorrow? Well, we can either worry or we can plan. Now, that, that's a practical thing that's going on, uh, uh, planning. Can I, can I take one little segment of your life, every one of you in this room, and kind of blow it up just for a moment about planning? Let's take finances, our money. You ready? And let's talk about, okay, we're going to do it here. I, I'm going to say it. Now, I am prepared to be stoned, but I'm going to say it anyway because the Lord is with me. You ready? Budget. Yeah, I see the response I got there. Like, <laughs> budget. We, let's just admit it right now before the Lord. We hate budget. We hate to budget. But, but, <laughs> but budget will save your life. The thing is this, is that we look forward to Friday because it's payday, but we never think that Friday our car is a little bit older than it was on Monday. We, we, we never think about uh, the, the clothes for our children, but right now some of your kids are in the kids' ministry, and their feet are growing right as we speak right now. <laughs> and tomorrow, all of a sudden, the shoes are going to be too small, and you have to buy shoes. Your house your food, your hair is growing, you have to get it cut. All these things are coming. That car tag is coming due, bro, in Mississippi. Are we planning? Are we budgeting? You know, back in the day when our kids were little in school, and all three were in private school, we paid full tuition for all three, and they're all three in orthodontists. And we were pastoring Northwood uh, about 300 people. Now, you can do the math on that. If you can, I'll help you. Uh, small minus large equals impossibility. But the budget saved our life. A very simple envelope system to where we put money aside for the car tag, the, the car repair, the haircuts, the clothing, the tuition, the book fees, the fun time. And when the car tag came due, we didn't have to scramble to take it out of the mortgage money. We had it in a little envelope, and I'd just pluck it out and go pay the car tag. We even had fun money. And, and when it come time to have fun, I would go to the fun envelope, and we would pluck out the money out of the fun envelope, and we would have as much fun as what was in the envelope. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But it was fun because we had put the money aside and because we didn't squander our finances so we weren't guilty having to rob Peter to pay Paul to go have a little bit fun. Because watch this. Yeah, it's always we robbing Peter to pay Paul. For Peter. But let me tell you something about Peter. He ain't no fool. Sooner or later, Peter comes knocking at the door and saying, where's my money? Sooner or later, the mortgage company wants their payment or the car payment or whatever it is. 
And if you're not budgeting, you won't have it. And then guess what happens then? You worry. What can we do about tomorrow? We can worry or we can plan. Now, that's the practical side. Now, let's go a little bit deeper in, in, in the spiritual side. We can live by faith or we can live by fear. We can live by fear, motivated by fear, or we can live by faith to handle this thing of worry. Because at the root of worry and anxiety is fear. It's there. That's why Jesus spent so much time teaching us. Now, notice this about Jesus. He is at the right hand of the Father, the line of the tribe of Judah. He's going to open that seal. Come on now. He's interceding for you right now. But his feet were on this earth one day, and he would teach people from his mouth. So I love to read the Gospels and what comes out of the mouth of Jesus. And so this is what came out of his mouth then. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so here is what he says. He says, do not fear those who are only able to kill the body. He says, do not fear you are more valuable than a sparrow. Do not fear it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And then all the way in the book of Revelation to the church at Smyrna, he says, do not fear the things you are about to suffer. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. You see, Jesus never painted this rosy picture He said, I'm going to be with you in the time of trouble. Trouble is coming. He even said this. He said, don't think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I've come to bring a sword. I've come to divide families. But if you'll trust him, he'll see you through to the future. Now, where did fear come from? Where did all this start? Why do we have to deal with fear so much? I mean, in the beginning, there was no fear. In the beginning, Adam and Eve, they are living in this garden. They are tending the garden. It's a wonderful time. They've, give, they've been given a command not to eat of that tree over there. Well, that's fine. We're not going to eat of that tree over there. We're going to do all this thing here. But then eventually, she's tempted. Eve is tempted by the, by the serpent, the devil. She eats of the tree. She gives to Adam. He eats. And then something transpired there. See, that's sin. Disobedience to God is sin. And so they sinned, and something happened. And we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. When it says, but the Lord God called to the man, because every day the Lord would come walking in the cool of the day to talk to Adam and Eve. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, God just walk in there and say, hey, what's up, Adam, Eve, how y'all doing? How's, how's it going? How's the cows? How's the, is the grass growing? What's going on? How you feeling? I don't know what all they said, but it was this, this fellowship together. But then God comes one day, and all of a sudden, the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? Like God doesn't know where he is, you know, but God does know where he is. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden like I do every day, but today's different. I was afraid. First time you see fear in the Bible right there. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I was full of shame. I was full of fear. I was afraid of you. Yesterday, I was not afraid of you. Today, I'm afraid of you because I have sinned and sin brought shame and fear. Sin did it then and sin does it now. The thing of fear and and, and shame uh, comes upon us because we have to deal with the aftermath of the sinful nature. But it's so powerful when you get the revelation of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ on your life that it changes all that and that you're able to approach him without shame and fear. The wonderful thing about worship, if you want successful worship, and I use that term, I know it's a little ant, but successful worship, worship that's pleasing to God, 
You're going to have to get out of the way your little thing, your little attitude, your little thing you did or didn't do or what you think about yourself. Or you're, and you're going to have to part all those things like the Red Sea and come into the face of God covered with the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of the cross, and worship him for who he is, not who you are. It's so important, folks. It's not about who you are. It's about who he is. And he is perfect even when I'm not perfect. He is perfect when I mess up. He's perfect when I'm doing good. In other words, my condition doesn't affect him. And so we do that. We live in this thing. We, we know how to overcome this root of fear. And it's like in 2 Timothy. Apostle Paul is writing to this young pastor, Timothy. He's pastoring a large church in a, in a vibrant city. The city is filled with idolatry. Timothy is a young man, and Paul starts off writing to him in the second book, and he says, you know, Timothy, I want to tell you something. Your grandmother had great faith, and your mother had great faith, and I am convinced that you have the same faith that your family has. Not only that, I want you to remember something. When I laid my hands on you, I, I imparted a spiritual gift to you, so I want you to fan that thing in the, in the flames. I want you to understand that, and I want you to not fear. That's what he says. He says here in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You've got to understand this young man. He's got a, a, a massive responsibility. He's, he's getting pressure from the outside community because of their idolatry. They're steeped in sin. He's even having to deal with uh, insecurities because of his age. And so Paul tells him, don't let people despise you because of your age. You know, we're in such a great transition in our nation right now from the baby boomers to the millennials. I mean, it's a major thing in every aspect of society, in business, in family, in church. Leadership is shifting. The, the old are, are moving off of the scene. The, the young are coming on the scene. And it's just a powerful, wonderful transition that, by the way, has happened for generations. And so we embrace that. We don't, we, don't, we don't fear, we don't despise, and we don't fear. We embrace it together generationally, and we see God do great things and move everything forward in a very, very positive way. So God says, you know what? You haven't been given a spirit of fear. There is fear there are things that we're afraid of. Somebody said, I'm afraid of water. I'm afraid of heights. I don't really like heights a lot. You know, when I, when I get in a very, very high place and I look over, it's like, Whoa. I always think about falling over. How about you? I never think about just enjoying the view. It's like, what would happen if I jumped right now? You, you ever feel that way of going down the road? What, what happened if I just, no. You don't do that, do you? What happened if I just turned my wheel and just, devil just trying to kill you. No. And, and so th that's, that's fear. You know, I'm, I'm afraid. Of, that's, that's little stuff. Deal with that. But when a spirit of fear comes on you, when the devil comes after, when demon powers grip a person in fear where they no longer can function properly, it's a different story. And that's what Apostle Paul is telling Timothy here. He's saying, Don't, uh -uh. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. That's not coming from God. And if it doesn't come from God, it's coming from the devil, our enemy. And that's what, that's what harms so many people. And so how do, we, how do we fight this? How do we overcome this thing of fear? 
And it's right here in this verse because he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound or of self-control. He gives us these three things to overcome the spirit of fear. There is power in the name of Jesus. It's not some empty thing. It's not a postage stamp that we put on the end of a prayer hoping it makes it to heaven. There is authority in the name. The word name, that, that word means authority. There's authority in the name of Jesus. There's power in the Christian life. There's a new resident power that comes in the life of the believer through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you believe truly and embrace the cross, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in, on the inside of you. And there is power that helps you overcome. And I walk into power. And then there's this thing of love. Now, love is such a, a massive subject. And we've just been taught on that very recently. But watch this. When you have the revelation, I'm talking about you got the real deal, that God loves you, that he's for you, and he's not against you. See, because some people think, well, he's for me, but he's really against me too. He's working both sides. He's for you, not against you. He loves you. He has received you no matter what you have done, no matter what you feel like, no matter what your standard in life is, no matter what you're struggling with. Understand this, that God's love is filled with power. And when you embrace that love, it's just an, an amazing thing. There's a confidence that comes. I know my wife loves me. I know that. And there is such confidence in my relationship with her that I don't worry about anything when it comes to how she feels about me. Love. And then he says, you know what? You've got this self-control thing. Some translations say a sound mind or a disciplined mind. Folks, listen. How you think is how you live. Understand that. Just don't even try to run from that. How you think, how you live. What you think about yourself is how you live about yourself. What you think about others is how you live towards others. And what you think about God is how you relate to him. So how we think, you know. So when we first came to Jesus, Jan had a revelation one day. We, we used to listen to a lot of records. We had a lot of records. And, you know, the old, you know what a record is, huh? Some of you young people. <laughs> Long plays, albums, you know, and uh, you'd put a needle, a turntable, and you'd, and you'd listen to the record. And all it is is a piece of vinyl that's got a groove on it. And when you put that needle in there, it amplifies through a, an amplifier through a speaker, and you hear the song. And, and every time you put that needle there, you know, you know, the same song, every time you play it, it plays the same old tune. And your mind is like that. When you come to Jesus, your mind's going to play the same old tune, the same old tune about you, about others, about God, about life, about circumstance, about situation, same old thing, about principles in your life. And, and, and Jan said, you know what? I think that our mind is like this record, and so I think that we need to have our minds regrooved. And you know, really, that was a revelation because uh, we sat there and we said, well, that's absolutely right. Because we got some bad thinking going on in our life, which is translating into not so good living. And so we're going to get regrooved is what we're going to do. 
And the way you regroove your mind, folks, is not by thinking, regroove, regroove, give me another groove, you know. It's by taking in the Word of God and letting the Word of God wash your mind. And you know what? You need to be brainwashed in the right way. Your mind needs to be cleaned. And that kind of thinking needs to be changed by the Word of God, by being regenerated and being renewed, regrooved, training your mind until finally you start thinking like Jesus thinks. Because you have to have the mind of Christ if you're going to look at things in the proper way, if you're going to overcome this thing of fear. So we have to live by faith, not by fear. And so how do you do that? How, do, how, do, how does faith overcome fear? How is that going to take place? Well, active faith overcomes fear. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord, meaning that you are going to run like refuge, into refuge to the Lord. You're going to hide yourself in the Lord. You're not going to lean on your own understanding, but you're going to trust him, and he is going to direct your paths. He's going to make your paths straight. Now, the thing is this, folks. When it comes to your future, I know what you want because I want it too. I want God to put it all out, like on a blackboard, whiteboard, you know, just van, A, B, C, D, this is what's going to happen next week, next month, next year, all the way down the line, all the way into eternity. That's what I want. That's what you want to, but you're not getting that. God doesn't work that way. My pastor used to teach me, he said, Van, God knows everything. He's just not telling you. He's not telling you everything that you ought to know. Well, is he going to be a good husband? You won't know till you marry him. You have an idea. You know, you're rolling the dice on the dude, but you're not sure until you start living with him. And by the way, you'll always find things that you can't believe. I can't believe that guy. I never saw it. Of course you never saw it. And with God, even the, the, the patriarchs of faith, the, I mean the big hitters, the Moseses and the, and, and the Abrahams, they were given a word to, from God to do something and watch this. He would tell them, he'd get them started, crank them off, and then he'd kind of just leave them alone for a while. Abraham, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. Leave your home. Go to a land that I promise you. Flowing with milk and honey. It's a great time. You have a great time. Go. Oh, by the way, stay over there in Heron for a long time. People go die, you know, and, and then just do that for a while. Moses, I want to send you. You're going to set my people free. You're going to go down there. You're going to talk to, to Pharaoh. You're going to, you're, going to, you're going to take care of business. Just go over there, you know, and, and go. And he went. And he he was hated by all the Israelites. They didn't like him. Nobody he had to work hard. The whole thing, you got to read Exodus. You'll understand. And then God just systematically begins to open doors to help these mighty men and women of God, men and women of faith, accomplish what God wanted them to do. It's amazing that God knows everything, but God's not telling you everything. God's not showing you everything about the future, which brings us back to the what ifs. What if you started to look at your what ifs in a positive instead of a negative? What if you woke up in the morning and say, well, what, what if I get that job today? What if I make an A on that algebra test? What if, what if that new job pays an unexpected amount? 
more than what I had anticipated. What if, to the good sense, what if my wife begins to act right? What if? Not my wife. My wife always acts right. It's your wife. It's your did you get that, guys? That's, that's, I'm looking at my future, like in about 15 minutes. What if I find a wonderful spouse? What if I win the lottery? Oh, well, you know, I don't know too much, but if you win it, make sure you tithe. I, we'll just sanctify that money and build some churches or something. You know what I'm talking about? You know what? I don't know all about circumstances and how God's going to fix all the things that come in our life. And some of you are walking through very, very difficult things right now. No one makes light of that. In this room right now, you'd be astonished to know the suffering that people are going through, people that we know suffering. But, but I, I do know this. I've known God long enough to know that he's, he's the God of provision. And I do believe that God gives peace in the midst of pain. I do believe that, folks. I, I believe that he gives joy in the midst of sadness. I believe he'll give food in the midst of famine. I believe God has a way of meeting needs and making things work out if we'll trust him. It doesn't always come out the way we thought it would. You know, the children of Israel, when Moses took them out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness, they're hungry, and God sends manna. Now, manna, you know, doesn't seem too appetizing to me. I'd rather have a ribeye steak, to be quite honest with you, a lamb chop at least. But the, but the manna, the provision that God gave them, fed them and their families for 40 years in a wilderness. And so his provisions, while they might not look like I would want them to look, they will provide for us everything we need. You see, because fear paralyzes, but faith, what does it do? Faith mobilizes. Something about it, man. So if you're paralyzed right now, it's because you're living by a spirit of fear. And you want your faith to rise up, and faith comes from the Word of God. It comes from teaching and preaching and fellowship. It comes from small groups. It comes from relationships. It comes from people encouraging you when you're down, and then you encourage them when they're down. That's what we're doing. What do you think we're doing right now? I thank God for Sundays. Can I just, can I just be honest with you? I thank God for Sundays because Sundays encourage me so powerfully. And I thank God for small groups. Because we get together, just a bunch of common folks in a living room sitting around, you know, with our tennis shoes on, and some people got short pants and a little T-shirt on, and we don't have any old hair all combed up. Some women even come to small group without makeup. <laughs> but guess what? When it's all said and done, and you walk around the house and everybody's gone, it's like, whoa, I just got encouraged today. And I want that to happen every day of my life until I go be with Jesus. That's what it's all about. And so we, 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 we worry in fear. We plan in faith. It all goes together. You understand? Worry and fear, planning and faith go together. Now let me close with this and then I'm done. Everybody is enamored with this thing of the future. There's never been so much seeking about what's going to happen after death. I mean, psychics horoscopes, books by the volumes. On the church side, people wanting to know when Jesus is coming back, who's the Antichrist, you know, how is it going to be? What about those seven seals that we read about this morning? 
What about those trumpets in the book of Revelation? How is this going to be? What is heaven going to be like? What about the new Jerusalem? Is heaven going to be on earth or is earth going to be new or old? Or how is all that going to work? We are, we are just absolutely captured by eternity. And rightfully so, we should, because you're going to spend more time in eternity than you're on this earth. I don't know a lot of things, folks. I don't know everything about eternity, but I know this one thing. I know the one who holds eternity, and I do know him, all right? And we believe that his name is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's who we put all of our trust in for our future. And I don't know about situations and circumstances. I'm fed up with them. I'm, I'm sort of like I'm fed up on a long trip with four kids in a, in a station wagon. Get in the back seat and be quiet. That's circumstances. Shut up and be quiet, circumstances. Every day you pop up with something else. And I'm done with that ruling my life. Jesus is the ruler and king of my heart. And he is the only one, ultimately, that will bring you peace about your past, peace about your present day, and peace about the future that's to come. Amen? Let's bow our heads together, if you don't mind, just for a second. For the church, for those of you who have chosen to follow Jesus and you've given your heart fully to him, this is just a time after these three weeks of perspective that we Realign ourselves. Come on, recalibrate your heart towards the Lord. Church people, come on. You know, we need sometimes just to make adjustments. And, and I want to pray right now together, us together, that we would realign ourselves to where our future is bright. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who died for our sins and set us on a new path. We thank you for your grace that is always sufficient for your voice that always directs us, for your power that caused us to overcome sin and shame and circumstances. And Father, we pray right now for a new awakening in our hearts, a new alignment of our spirits, and a new trust that you are directing our paths. And that includes our future into eternity. Thank you, Lord, for that. We honor you in it. We believe it. And we're going to act like it. Now, for you who are in this room right now, you're sitting here, and you know instantly that your heart is not right with God, that you don't have this living relationship. I don't want you to get down on yourself. I want you to basically stand up and choose Jesus. He's the only one that's really going to matter. On that deathbed, nothing else is going to matter except my, my, my relationship with Jesus. How do I stand, Lord? So if you've been kind of dancing around the things of God and maybe you've been in touch when you were young or, or maybe you've been in church services and God is dealing with you, today is a day for you to surrender to the Lord. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. You can pray your own prayer. You can follow con with me. I just want to introduce you to the one who changed my life and the one who changes lives every day of every year. His name is Jesus. Just pray a simple prayer like this. Father in heaven... I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe that you love me, Lord, that you care about my life. And so because of that, Father, I am going to dedicate myself to you. I'm giving you everything I know. 
I don't know what the future is going to bring. I don't even know what it means to serve you, Lord. I just know that I'm giving myself to you and trusting you with my life. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for changing my life starting this very moment. In that wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for those who prayed. Come on, Pastor Jordan. Come on, come on. Hey, look, if you're in here today and you've, you just pray that prayer, receive Jesus into your life, and maybe you say that prayer for, uh, you know, a number of times in your life, but today you made a fresh commitment to follow Jesus. We want to come alongside you and help you out in that decision. Uh, the Bible talks about how whenever you make a decision to follow Jesus, you're born again, right? So, so just think about a new baby, right? That baby needs somebody to, to care for it and, and support it. And so uh, as far as your relationship with God, we want to come alongside you and help you in that, support you. And this is the, uh, the what's next card. We mentioned it earlier in the service. This is kind of the inroad to that. And so I want to bring attention to that. And if it's your first time here or you recommitted your life to God or committed to your, your life to God for the first time, please take this card, fill it out. It's very simple. And if you wouldn't mind taking it, turn it in at the back of the room in the next steps area. We've got some people back there who would love to take that. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to reach out to you. We're going to give you a call or send you an email. We truly want to help you take your next steps because uh, this isn't the end of your journey with God. It's the beginning, all right? And so, uh, so we truly believe in that. I want to invite you to do that. Also, a couple of other things before we roll out today. Uh, I want to bring attention to the info guide that's uh, in the lobby. So we have some info stands in there. If you wouldn't mind picking up one of these, uh, you know, each week or, or each month, uh, we put what's coming up at Northwood Church. Uh, we don't do a lot of extra things around here. All right, we really don't. But, but what we do do is is, uh, is listed here on this, uh, what we do do. That's just not how you're supposed to say that. But um, just going to go ahead and bring attention to that right now. You ever say something that just keeps going in your mind? You're like, yeah, that's just not how you're supposed to do that. But it's all right. It woke you up. You're like, what did you say? But um, go ahead and take this and look at what's coming up. Uh, I do want to bring attention to what's going on tonight in Building 2. We're actually having our Ocean Springs launch interest meeting. Uh, so we're starting our fourth location in Ocean Springs this year. Come on. And uh, if you're interested in knowing what's kind of what's going on, maybe you live that direction, Biloxi, you know, Diaberville, uh, Ocean Springs even, uh, we'd love to invite you out tonight, building number two, 6 p.m. Uh, uh, Pastor Steven's going to be here, uh, myself, Pastor Micah, and really the whole crew. We're going to be here talking about what's going on. And, uh, and, and, and again, maybe you're not necessarily going to be out there, but you'd still like to come and kind of be a part. Love to invite you out to that. And so, uh, so again, 6 p.m. tonight, the Gulfport location. The last major thing I want to talk to you about is uh, the fact that we are starting small group signups today. And, and again, if you're new around here, maybe you don't know what small groups are. Uh, starting in February, going through May, is our spring semester of fall, small groups. And uh, we really have three different lanes of those, okay? We have freedom groups, which is all about you dealing with your past, all right, getting free from the things that maybe has happened to you in the past. And, uh, and I believe some of you, it's sort of like whenever you watch the guys that are training for football you know how they got like the parachute attached to their back and they're running you know some of you that's your past that's like where you come from and, and you try to get going and it's just like something's holding you back and I believe that some of you you know God but it's time to find some freedom so I think that's be a great uh, great group for a lot of you others of you sermon series groups I want to encourage you to sign up here's the deal though we have a lot of openings for our freedom groups. Uh, we only have about 60 openings for our small groups in sermon uh, series for, for this semester. So you, you better sign up quick because uh, they're what, selling like hotcakes. Isn't that what people say? I've never, so, I've never sold 
orderly bought hotcakes. But anyway, they're going quick, and so make sure you sign up for that. A lot of you, you, you come on Sundays, and it's a great thing. Excited that you're here. But I want to encourage you to take your next step and get involved in a small group. It's where you're going to grow in your relationship with God, but you're also going to get to know some people. Some of y'all, y'all don't, like, y'all don't know anybody around here, and I, it's, just, it's a big deal to kind of, like, this is family, all right? So, so take that next step, get involved, and, uh, and also our third lane of small groups is grief share groups. If you're walking through uh, a time of grief in your life, or maybe it's something that happened years ago, um, man, I talked to somebody between services, actually, just, just things that have happened in their life, and uh, they, need, they need God's help, but also, guess what? We get help from people. And so for some of you, you're walking through, you're walking through grief, and, and we wanna, we've got a group for you that I think you'll get a lot of help from. So I want to encourage you to sign up for that as well. So, uh, so anyway, small groups. Also, uh, you can sign up, northwood.church slash small groups. You can go online and kind of see and sign up. I did want to say this, actually, before we, before we roll. If you go to the table and you go to sign up and you don't see a group that's really specific or um, I guess for your schedule you know what I'm saying you, you, man I need something on Tuesday night or I need something like this would you still sign up and kind of write down what it is because we want to we want to look at what kind of groups that we have to, to offer and maybe move some groups around to kind of fit those as well so so please go back there check it out and uh, and then we got a lot of people back matter of fact all of our small group leaders and some coaches back there y'all can go ask some questions and see what's going on we just really want to serve you in that. All right. Sound good? Come on, let's stand to our feet. I want to remind you, as always, we have a, a group of people here at the front front of the room that would love to pray with you. If you're walking through anything in life, come up, get some prayer with some people. And uh, last but not least, man, uh, continue to be faithful in giving. If it's your first time here, don't worry about it. But, but man, come on, if this is your church home, continue to be faithful in giving. It's an act of worship, not something we have to do, but something that we get to do. And uh, so be faithful in that. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness for us. I pray that you bless every single person here. God, that we would go out into this community this week and be a light in a dark place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, we start a new series next week. What do you believe? We're going to be talking about does God exist? Invite some people out. We'll see you later.